0: Kira Church, we've got two Bible readings today. Um, the first is um, from Genesis chapter one. Um, so that's page one of the church Bibles, and I'll be reading the first five verses. I'll just give you a second to find it. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. So our next reading is from John chapter 1, and I'll be reading verses 1 to 18. And that is on page 911 of the Church Bibles. So starting verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made himself known.
1: Thanks, Anthea. Hi, my name's Adele. It's nice to meet you. Oh no, we're supposed to add, add our own name there. Um, my name's Andrew. Some of you got it. <laughs> Thank you, Nigel. Thank you. Um, uh, my name's Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here. It's great that you can join us for church this morning. Um, please have John uh, chapter one open. We're going to be spending our time there this morning. Um, I don't know if you realize that it's uh, Valentine's Day next week, Uh, and when Valentine's Day rolls around, a bunch of us feel uh, the need to go and buy flowers. Um, I bought Adele some flowers last week, Um, and every time I go and buy flowers, uh, there is a part of me that's thinking inside, uh, this is a little bit of a waste. (laughs) I think that's the point, right? But, But there's part of me... Uh, that's thinking it's a little bit of a waste. Sure, they'll go in the vase and they'll blossom and bloom for a while, but we all know that in a week's time they're going to be dead and in the bin. Now, as humans, we are more like cut flowers than we like to think. Uh, see, flowers, they're slowly dying in a vase of water. That's not a bad illustration of the human condition. Uh, sure, we can wrap ourselves in pretty paper, put a bow on, uh, put our best foot forward. We can curate a wonderful life and share it with the world on the internet. But the reality is, although we might blossom and bloom for a while, death is at the end of it all. It's not that far away. Uh, we may not go in the bin, but we're definitely going in the grave. So next week, if someone gives you flowers, um, and it's not really someone that you wanted to get flowers from, you could kind of respond. You could say, thank you for reminding me of my mortality and impending death. (laughs) The grave, it is the great equalizer, isn't it? It's the full stop at the end of every good life, even the best life. And then what? You tell me. The atheist says we become food for worms. The legalist says you'll be judged based on how you have lived. The Hindu, the Buddhist, the Sikh, they will say that we're reincarnated. And so we hope to come back as something good, something better, not like a slug or a cockroach or an Australian. Um, (laughs) If you're wondering whether I'm just being really mean to Australians, I am also Australian. But what about you? What do you say? What happens when we die? Uh, when the beauty fades, when the petals fall, when the final full stop is stamped at the end of your life, what hope do you have to be anything more than food for worms? Now, into that hopelessness, we have this word from God. God. In particular, we have John's gospel, this part of God's word that we're going to be looking at for the next few months. Uh, And John comes to us presenting Jesus with the most astonishing claim. Uh, Adele mentioned earlier, uh, John comes to us presenting Jesus as someone who can deal with that problem of death. He can offer us life right now, life to the full, life worth living and life that extends beyond the grave. And it's a claim that demands we give these words our full attention. We read it in chapter 20, verse 31. John, he gives us his purpose for writing this biography about Jesus. He says this, he says, But these words are written that you may believe Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And here it is. And that by believing in him, you may have life in his name. Real life, eternal life, life with God without end. Now, who on earth can claim to be able to do such a thing? Who on earth can claim to be able to offer you life now to the full and life now with God that extends into all eternity? It's in these opening verses of John, chapter 1, we meet the only one, the only one who can deliver on such a claim. We meet Jesus, the author and giver of life. Uh, Now, as John begins his gospel, he he starts by setting forth Jesus' credentials. And we see uh, four things here that make him uh, unequally qualified to be the giver, the bringer of eternal life. We see he's the eternal word from God. We see he's the light who was rejected. We see that he has come to bring life and we see that he reveals God to us. Now, there, uh, I don't know if you, um, your head was left spinning after those first 18 verses. There is so much that could be said about these first 18 verses. You could have a whole sermon series on these alone. Uh, Augustine, the church father and theologian, uh, he once said of john 's gospel, he said john 's gospel is shallow enough for a child not to drown, yet deep enough for an elephant to swim. I think you get a sense of that as we look at these verses. John is saying things as he introduces Jesus, and he is so clear, and he is so precise and he is so simple we totally hear what he is saying, but yet it is so profound. It is so deep. We could never, ever plumb the depths of what it means for Jesus to be this one. Now, I am excited about going into John's gospel. I hope you are too. And I hope that you see today that Jesus is uniquely qualified to offer life and life to the full for those who believe in him. And it begins there in verse 1, have it open, chapter uh, 1, verse 1, where we see that Jesus is the eternal Word who is God. Verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Uh, Now, even just in these first five verses, there's, uh, there's, there's four things I want you to see about Jesus. First, Jesus is the Word. Um, now, spoiler alert: It doesn't actually tell us that uh, the word is Jesus until verse fourteen. Um, uh, that's where it makes the connect- John makes the connection, uh, but before John gets to verse fourteen, he is building uh, a sense of, of, of who it is and what it is that this word is. Uh, now, Je- John grabs this uh, this phrase, "the word." He grabs it from both Greek philosophy and Jewish tradition, and he takes this idea of the word to tell us something about Jesus. Uh, for Greeks, uh, the word or the logos in Greek, uh, that was the idea that held everything in the universe together. It was the thought that shaped and ordered the directing principle of the universe. Uh, now, one thing that we said goodbye to when we left Australia to move to New Zealand to plant Cedar Hill was we said goodbye to Ikea. Um, If you've never been to Ikea, let me explain. Uh, Ikea is a magical place of inexpensive Swedish flat pack furniture. Uh, If you ever go to an Ikea store, it's unlike any other store you've been to, because if you go to Ikea, you're going on a journey. Uh, You follow a path that leads you through the store. It leads you past every item that is for sale. It is a giant, unavoidable, impulse-buying maze. And the word, or the logos, or the of the world of IKEA is the idea of that maze. It's that genius that takes you through the 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 labyrinth of the store from beginning to end. Uh, And it's from this idea, this maze, that everything in IKEA finds its place. Uh, and so you must follow the path that is laid out uh, from homewares to household furniture to hot dogs. Uh, it all finds its place in the maze of Ikea. It's, the maze is the, the idea that holds all of Ikea together. And that's a bit like the word or the logos in Greek philosophy. It's the organizing principle. It's the central idea upon which everything else is derived. And so even though John himself is not really into Greek philosophy, uh, he borrows the concept uh, to describe Jesus to people who would have understood it. And the one thing he is saying here is that Jesus is at the center. Jesus is at the heart of what is going on in the universe. From the very beginning into all eternity, the main man, the center of all history, the one who holds everything together, it is Jesus. But that idea of Jesus being the word for John, it, it, it probably also drives more strongly out of his Jewish thinking and tradition. You see, one of the things that set the Jews apart from uh, all the other peoples of the ancient world uh, was their God was a God who spoke to them. He spoke to them. We see right at the beginning in Genesis chapter 1, he spoke creation into existence and then down the ages he speaks to reveal himself to his people to make himself known he speaks words of warning and judgment when his people wander away from him he speaks words of comfort and deliverance as he promises to save them from the consequences of that wandering from the consequences of that sin he spoke his words of wisdom as he shared with them how to live best in the world that he had made You see, the word is how God created, how he revealed, how he judged, how he gives wisdom. It's how he saves. And so by identifying Jesus as this word, he is placing Jesus right at the center, right at the center of God's work in the world, right at the center of ultimate reality. You see, Jesus is this word. Uh, the second thing we see here in these opening verses is that Jesus, the word, is eternal. Uh, borrowing uh, from Genesis chapter 1, uh, John tells us that Jesus was there in the very beginning. Uh, now, if you want a new library card or a driver's license or passport, you get an application. Uh, and usually uh, the first thing it asks is your name. Uh, okay, Jesus here, the word. Uh, the second thing it asks is your date of birth. What's Jesus' birthday? In the beginning. Now, that's a lot of candles. Uh, sure, Jesus walked on the earth. He looks about 30, but how old is he really? He's eternal. That's what John is saying. That is what Mel said so brilliantly. I always hate preaching after Mel does a kid's talk. I <laughs> uh, feel so inadequate. Uh, it was so clear. How amazing that Jesus... He was there at the beginning. John is saying here that there was a moment way back where everything got made. There's a moment way back where creation began. And John is saying that before that moment, Jesus existed. He was with God at the beginning. Before the very creation of the world, Jesus was there. Which makes sense. He was uh, before creation because as we see about Jesus, the word, the third thing we see is that he is the agent of creation. Verse three, verse three, through him, all things were made without him. Nothing was made that has been made. Now, again, if you're familiar with Genesis chapter one, at the very beginning of the Bible, like I've said already, God speaks and creation comes into being. God speaks the world into existence. And what John is saying is that Jesus is the word that God spoke. Jesus is the word that created everything. The word that God spoke and the whole of the universe, the whole created world sprang into being. That was Jesus. He was the agent of creation. And to kind of underline this, um, uh, John says, uh, not only did he create all things, but he also states it in the negative. Did you notice? Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And so anything you can think of, from the planets to the plankton, from the mountains to the molecules, from the sun to the synapses in your brain, anything you can think of in this world was made by God through Jesus. And if God made it through Jesus, guess who it belongs to? Guess who knows how it works best? Uh, Guess who deserves the glory and honor and praise? It's Jesus, the Word through whom God created everything and everyone. And the fourth astonishing thing we see in these opening verses about Jesus is He is the Word uh, that is the source of life itself. Have a look there, verse four. Uh, Verse four, in Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Uh, Now, again, we're riffing back to Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis uh, chapter 1 and 2. These themes keep unfolding. Life was made through him. Light shines in the darkness through him. Remember those words, Genesis chapter 1, let there be light. That was Jesus. And Genesis chapter 2, we see that humanity was created and then God breathes life into humanity, light and life, they all come from Jesus. And so as you take your next breath, as you... John says, that very breath, that life is breathed into you by God. It was given to you by Jesus, the sort of, source of life and light. Jesus. He is the word that is at the center of everything. He is eternal from before time began. He is the creator of everything and everyone. He is the source of life and light. And this whole world is sustained and held together by this Jesus. All of this can be summed up with the reality that we see there at the end of verse one, Jesus, the word was God. You see, Jesus, the baby that was born in that stable. Uh, Jesus, the child who grew up in a backwater of the Roman Empire. Jesus, the simple carpenter turned preacher. Jesus, the man who never traveled more than a hundred kilometers from the place he was born. Jesus, the one who wept the night before he died. Jesus, the one who was killed as a criminal. On a Roman cross, John is saying that this Jesus, he is so much more. John is saying you could not put this Jesus on a bigger stage. You see, Jesus is bigger and greater and more powerful and more superior and more significant than you could ever imagine. Nothing can contain him. Nothing can defeat him. No one can surpass him. He is the eternal word, the creator and the sustainer of life. John is saying, Jesus is God. Which means that Jesus is the one who can give life. He is the only one who can grant eternal life to those who believe in his name. Which is why it's absolute madness Point two that our world has rejected Jesus. Uh, just in case you're looking at your watch, we're going to move a bit faster uh, from this point. Um, uh, there's stuff in here about John the Baptist, and I'm going to skip over that and leave that for Andy to pick up next week. Um, uh, but we see in verses 10 and 11 uh, that despite Jesus' pedigree, despite his, his, uh, how massive and significant Jesus is, our world has rejected him. Verse 10. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. You see, as Jesus comes crashing into human history, um, over the course of John's gospel, uh, he'll show us what that looked like. Uh, John will give us seven signs uh, which reveal Jesus' power and his authority and his glory. And he comes into this world and he comes to the Jewish people, the people who have always had God's word. They've had the promises of God from long ago. And he knocks on the door and he says, I'm home. But there's no answer. They want nothing to do with him. They want so little to do with him. They eventually crucify him. And as they crucify him, they give us all a glimpse of what is true across all of humanity, of what is true across all of history. They give us a glimpse of what's true of what we've all done to him. We don't recognize him. We don't receive him. We actually reject him. We actually take the good gifts and we turn our backs on the giver of those things. And when you do that, when you turn your back, On the author and the giver of life. Well, it's no wonder that death is our inevitable end. You see, like the flowers I began with, uh, rejecting Jesus, the author and the giver of life, we are cutting off ourselves from the one who gives and sustains that life. And although we might not die immediately, although we might look like we can have a life that is full of uh, uh, vitality and uh, happiness. In reality, we are cut off from our creator. We are cut off from our sustainer. And so there is only one place that we are heading. But into that darkness, with the reality of death hanging over us, into that has broken this man, Jesus. He has come bringing life, point three, he has come bringing life to those who become children of God. Now have a look there in verse 12, verse 12, yet to all who did who receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children not born of natural descent or a human's decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Uh, Now in John's gospel, he's going to say a lot more about being born again, particularly in chapter three, which we'll get to this term. Uh, But what we see here is a little glimpse of the life that Jesus brings. He brings new life with God as one of his dearly loved children. Light and life for those who received him, for those who believe in him. No longer God's enemy, no longer a stranger to the one who made us, but now a dearly loved child. Given an inheritance, given a place at the Father's table, welcomed into the family home of God's eternal kingdom. You see, Jesus... He is uniquely placed to bring us back, to bring us back to the Father, to bring us back into connection with him, the source of all light, the source of all life. And he can do that because he is the word become flesh, revealing God to us, point four. He is the word become flesh, revealing God to us. Have a look there at verse 14. Verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now it's quite trendy these days to make up your own mind about God, um, uh, to decide for yourself whether or not God's really there or not, to decide for yourself what He's like. i am heard you. you I'm, I'm sure you've heard people say. Um, uh, well, I, I respect the fact that you're a Christian, but I have my own ideas about God. Um, or some people say, like, I like to think about God in this way, or um, I really prefer to think about God as it being about love and tolerance or justice or environment or whatever it is that takes their fancy at the moment. But John says, verse 18, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God and in closest relationship with the Father, he has made him known. Which means that if you really want to know God, you don't look into your imagination, you don't explore your feelings. Instead, you come to Jesus. You get to know Jesus. You look at him in action. You listen to his words. You pick up John's gospel And meet God as you meet Jesus, and when we do, as verse fourteen says, we will see that He comes full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. He's truth. He's come. He's come to give it to us straight. Jesus has not come to beat around the bush. He's not come to leave us guessing. He hasn't come to tell us what we want to hear. Instead, Jesus comes and he tells us what we need to know. He comes with the truth that we are disconnected from God. We are disconnected from his life and his blessing and his future. But Jesus also comes full of grace. Not with a rod to whip us into shape, not with a list of rules and rituals that you need to follow or that you fill. And he fills us with guilt and shame. No, he said he comes with an offer of mercy and grace from God. Mercy and grace for those who will receive him, for those who will believe in him, for those who will trust him and follow him. You see, Jesus Jesus comes full of grace and truth, realistic about our deepest problem, and offering in himself the solution, the life that we desperately need. And so as we open John's gospel together, you would be mad to ignore him. To not listen to him. To not get to know him. To get to know what he has done for us. Or you could think about it this way and and we'll end with this. Uh, I want you to imagine, uh, I hope this doesn't happen to you, but I want you to imagine that you head home from church today um, and you sit on the couch and you start to feel some pain in your chest. Uh, and you do the right thing. So you take yourself to the hospital to get it checked out. And the first cardiologist who walks in the room, he takes one look at you and he says, you know what? You look like such a nice person. I can see you wearing your Sunday best. Um, you look like such a wonderful person. I'm sure you have a great life. So you, you know what? I'm not even going to do any tests on you today. Um, I think you're fantastic just the way you are. I want you to go home and enjoy the rest of your day. Now, you're not completely convinced uh, so you're asked to see another doctor. Uh, this time, uh, uh, the cardiologist walks in. He does some tests. They take some blood. Uh, they put some patches on you and they, um, hook you up to some fancy machines. And there are graphs that are printed and there are reports that are written and conclusions are drawn. And the doctor sits you in and, uh, sits you down and says, well, you've done all the tests and I've got the results here. But actually, I, I feel too sorry for you to share them with you today. I I don't want to upset you. I don't want to make your life more difficult or uncomfortable. So I want you to not worry about it. Just head home, enjoy the sunshine, enjoy the rest of your day. I really hope it goes well for you. Still not convinced, Uh, you asked to see a third doctor. This one does the same tests, writes the same reports, comes to the same conclusions and sits you down and they say to you, I'm really sorry, but I have bad news for you. But I've also got some good news as well. The bad news is that you have a very serious condition. If if untreated, uh, it will be fatal. But the good news is, and that's why you've come to see me, the good news is we can do something about it. I'm an expert in this field. I can do an operation. It'll fix you up. It'll sort the problem out and you'll be fine. Now, which of those doctors do you want to see? Now, obviously, we hope that only one of those doctors has made it all the way through medical school. Um, But which of those doctors has your interests at heart? Jesus is like that third doctor. Jesus who has come into the world full of grace and truth. Now, we might meet people who tell us, uh, you're fantastic, uh, thumbs up just the way you are. You don't need to change. You'll be sweet. Enjoy your life. Or we might meet others who they don't want to say hard things to us. They don't want to upset us, so they avoid them. But Jesus, the eternal word, he has come into the world from God, and he says, I have some bad news for you. Here's the truth you actually have a serious problem between you and God. Now you can ignore me and you can keep going that way, but it will, it will be fatal. Now we'd be mad to ignore that truth. The truth that has come to us from God through his son, Jesus, the word. But he also comes with grace. He says, I'm able to fix that problem. That's exactly why I have come. I've come to bring the grace of God which leads to life, eternal life, life with God forever. So will you trust me? Will you let me heal you? Will you let me restore you to the life that you're made to live in relationship with your Heavenly Father? Now, I really hope that you come back uh, over the next uh, Eight to ten weeks to hear more. Keep coming, keep getting to know this Jesus as we work our way through John's gospel. Meet the one who is uniquely qualified to offer you life and life to the full. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your words. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for the way that he is true. He is, he tells us the truth about life in this world because he is the author and giver of life. But we also thank you for the way that he offers us grace by making us children of you. And he brings us to life, life with you forever. Lord, we pray that we might hear these words from John. We pray that we might get to know Jesus, the one sent by you to save us. We pray these things in his name. Amen. Uh, If the musicians want to come up, we're going to respond uh, to this picture of Jesus we've seen by uh, singing uh, together, Behold Him. We're going to remind each other that he who was before there was light, He walked across the pages of time. He who made every living thing. Uh, Let us together behold him. Please stand as we sing.